Is it even possible to narrow down your top five things to do in Europe? Well, today we give it the old college try. You're listening to Travel FOMO, a podcast for people self-diagnosed with wonderlust. Welcome to the Travel FOMO podcast. My name is Jamin Houghton, and I am here with my wife and my top pick, Hillary. Oh, that was a good win. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) And this episode is part of our Best of Europe season, where we are sharing what we learned while we traveled 18 countries for three months across the pond. And today we are sharing some of our favorite things we did as part of our gap year adventure. So listen fast because there's a lot of them. Oh my gosh, yes. So we are gonna go through the top five paid activities. We're gonna go through our top five free activities, which is just kind of nice to know if you're traveling on a budget. And our top five runs, because we did a lot of running wherever we went. And then we're also gonna talk about the top five things that we wish that we had done and we didn't do. Yes, and in full disclosure, uh, these top five lists are combined lists. Uh, That took lots of wrestling and arguing and um, (laughs) cases being made. That's true. For all of it. So we we have some honorable mentions to throw in there. And just so you know, every honorable mention that we shared also comes with an extra side of saltiness that it didn't make it on the list itself. That's it's actually true. The honorable mentions came from, well, if we can't put it on the list, we're going to mention it anyway. Well, let's dive right in and we'll start with our top five paid activities. So these are things that we did uh, while we were over in Europe that we actually paid to do, bought a ticket for or something of that nature, or we had to shell out to actually go on the adventure. And number five on our list is the Chianti wine tour in Florence. Yeah. It was so much fun. Um, it was through safari tours and they come pick you up in this big like monster truck shuttle bus kind of thing. (laughs) It's painted army green. It has these huge wheels on it. Um, We had a tour guide. I think his name was Alex. Um, He was a ton of fun. It was very informative. We went to like three different wineries and um, we had olive oil and wine at, uh, at two of them. We had lunch at another one. There was wine and cheese at the last one. Um, so many cool people on that tour. Yeah. And um, so that was a lot of fun, but it was really informative. And you're just driving through the beautiful hills of Tuscany. Yeah, it was incredible. It was a little pricey, but it was worth it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was one of the more expensive things that we did, but definitely, definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. An all-day adventure as well. Yes, for sure. Number four is Pompeii. Now, Pompeii is in southern Italy. It's on the coast, and it's really close to Naples. And the thing that makes Pompeii so interesting is that it's an ancient city that has been discovered and excavated because it was actually buried under a bunch of ash when Mount Vesuvius, a nearby volcano, exploded. It is incredible to see. There is so much that is still there, and you do have to pay to get into the city 
city. Um, it is a city. So imagine a bunch of ancient ruins, but it's a whole city of it. That's what Pompeii is. And we had an excellent, excellent tour guide, Julia, I believe mm-hmm. was her name. And she was really good. What was her catchphrase that Imagines. she always imagines and she would just talk about like imagine what it was like then but she would always say imagines and she was so precious and did such a great job and um the tour itself was just incredible i think we were only there for a few hours Mm -hmm. and we really wish we had had the entire day because it was historically so robust yeah it it was incredible and so glad that we did the tour i think so many things like we would have seen and not known what we were looking at yes had we not had the tour guide there so it was just an incredible experience to walk through and see what rome was like in like what was it like 79 ad or 71 ad something like that Um, yeah just amazing number three on our list is mary king's close now, um, if you are in Edinburgh or you've been to Edinburgh, you know that there's these little alleyways and things kind of in between the main streets called closes. And Mary King's Close actually takes you down underground to this close named after a woman, Mary King. And she ran a business down there and they take you underground where things are the way that they were in the 1600s and they talk about the black plague and when it came through and what Edinburgh was like back then and they really paint this amazing picture of what the city was like and what was going on and it was so interesting I think the tour lasted for like an hour hour and a half and it felt like five minutes I could have gone right back and taken the tour right over again after it was over it was just incredible all the information um, that came out of it we talk about it in our Edinburgh episode so if you want to go back and like listen to it in depth like you can hear it there but Mary King's Close was such an interesting way to see a part of a city that you don't ordinarily get to see because it's all underground and yeah hidden. and that that was really neat yeah it was so cool and and when we say underground it's it's underground in present day Edinburgh but it was actually mm-hmm. just the lower part of the city in the uh back back then what was yes. that the 1600s I yeah. think um so back then it was just the city and so they ended up really basically cutting off the top of a lot of buildings and building over it all but you get to go down into what their original city was like and it was really really fascinating yeah there in fact there's a room down there where you can see like wallpaper from the 1600s and they won't let you go in there because it's like you could get lead poisoning from breathing the air or something like that but it was it was really really cool to see very creepy as well yes super haunted Number two was an easy one on our list. Neither one of us argued about this. We were like definitely including the Blue Grotto. So the Blue Grotto is a kind of like a a sea cave that you can go into from the ocean in the Mediterranean uh, down in southern Italy. And it's right near the Amalfi Coast. It's just off of an island called Capri. And it is incredible. All these Italian men come with their little rowboats and they take you a few people at a time into the Blue Grotto. And we get inside this little rowboat and the guy, there's a chain that's on this cove and he like pulls the chain so that he can pull us inside 
this cave. And we all duck down and lay down so that we can get inside. And then we get inside and we're basically seeing all of this water that's glowing blue. So if you were to Google blue grotto, you would see pictures of this. And it is like the water is, it's just naturally glowing. And it's from the the sunlight outside coming in through the, the cave door and lighting up this water inside. And all these Italian men are in their rowboats with these people just singing Italian songs. And it happens for like 60 seconds, like two minutes. Yeah, and it long. is done. But it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we did that as part of like a bigger excursion where we actually got to like circle the island of Capri on this on this private boat. We got to stop and have lunch and um, stop and swim a couple times. We also went through some sea arches and things like that. It all left out of Sorrento and, and went back to Sorrento. It was an, just an incredible day on the water off the Italian coast, and it was so cool. Yeah, it was such um, dramatic features to this island. Yeah. It's super steep, and whenever you arrive to the island Capri, and for us it was so fun because we kind of like got to hop off our little boat and be taken to the island, and then we got to spend time on the island and swim in the waters with all these yachts everywhere. It was really swanky, I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was one of the more expensive things that we did as well, but very, very worth it. It it was worth the money. And our number one paid activity drum roll <laughs> was paragliding in Switzerland. Yes. So we did it in Lauterbrunnen through the Lauterbrunnen Valley and we got to hike around in the valley a little bit before and then they they pick us up and take us to the bottom of this gondola and we ride up to the top of the mountain and the guides go with you and they ride with you and they carry like the big parachute packs and stuff and you all kind of hang out and really everybody's just nervous. I mean, the guides aren't, but like all of the people going are, are really just nervous and you get to this spot and they're like, okay, here's where we go. And we start here and you just walk really fast toward the cliff and you just keep walking until your feet are in the air and then you just take off you and just run right off this mountain <laughs> yeah but it was incredible i was worried about it like i i'm not a super huge fan of heights and i thought that i thought it was something that i might have to kind of grip my teeth through but once you're in the air you feel so light and you're sort of like sitting down in this harness. So it feels very secure. You know, you're not going anywhere. You're not falling out of this thing. And the beauty of the Lauterbrunnen Valley is like nothing you've ever seen. And there's all these waterfalls. I think there's 72 waterfalls in all in this valley. And you just kind of glide down and then your your guide will like cruise you over close to a cliff and you catch an updraft and you go back up and we had told the um the a couple of the guys like that we were that we were married that we were a couple doing this together and so they would fly us close to each other at different points so that we could interact and it was just really really special a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity and that's I think that's why it made number one on our list. 
Um, I know you were really, really excited about it. So pumped to do it. Oh, my goodness. And I remember when we reserved, made our reservations online, and I was like, I can't believe I'm really going to do this. Like, we have watched this on YouTube, and I've thought, I want to do this so bad. And then we get there, and it's really happening, and... It's really hard to explain the beauty of Switzerland, but specifically the Lauterbrunnen Valley Mm -hmm. is so incredibly dramatic. I just keep using the word dramatic because it's so breathtaking. And getting to um, see that from so many different angles was really amazing. Yeah, I I agree. And we've done a lot of traveling. And even since since being in Lauterbrunnen, we've been all over the U.S. and Canada and like a lot of really beautiful places like national parks and things like that that are really amazing. But I don't think any of them quite stack up to the Lauterbrunnen Valley. Yeah. And so doing this there was just an amazing, amazing time. That was awesome. Okay, so let's talk about those honorable mentions that didn't make the list, but we absolutely have to talk about them. (laughs) Um, So Kutnohora Bone Cathedral. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time for you guys because every time somebody said it to me, I had to be like, what? Stop. Wait. (laughs) What are you saying? (laughs) So this is in Czech Republic. It's a small little town called Kutnohora. It's two words, K-U-T-N-A. H-O-R-A. And inside this tiny little town outside of Prague, there is a bone cathedral. It might sound like I'm talking about like human bones inside of a cathedral. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We're talking about human bones that decorate the inside of a cathedral. And so if you can imagine chandeliers and all the ornate things that you would see in a normal cathedral, in this cathedral, it is actually bones human bones and these were human bones i believe that were um excavated that a bunch of people that had died i believe from the black plague like like in edinburgh if i'm remembering correctly but it's thousands and thousands of human bones thousands and thousands of people um so it's it's quite sobering um but Mm -hmm. also something that um surprisingly um it's kind of hard to explain. It's like a thing um, that happened yeah. a lot when they discovered mass graves is they would want to do something symbolic with these um, human remains. And you made such an interesting point because we arrived to this cemetery with this cathedral inside of it. And it's a small cathedral. It's kind of down under. It's truly more like a a bone sanctuary underneath a cathedral, but it's very small and it's um, in a small cemetery. And you made a really good point when we arrived, the vast, the stark difference between the outside where there's these personalized tombstones and then the inside where it's just human remains with no identities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that place being so heavy and so interesting and just so far from what we experience as Americans, yeah, um, being faced with death in in such a real way um, was very sobering. Yeah, what was one of your honorable mentions? Uh, one of my honorable mentions was uh, going to see the War of the Roses in the Shakespeare Company Theater in Stratford upon Avon. Yeah. Um, I loved Stratford-upon-Avon. Everything we did there, I loved it. And 
when we sort of ended our time there, it was like the last evening and we had like a little bit of dinner and then went to go to this play at the Shakespeare company and see war of the roses and to see Shakespeare done so well and with such passion and so creatively they had this chain link curtain that they would project images on. And so they would live film the acting going on on stage and project it on this chain link. And it was just such a creative thing with something so old. And I, I just thought it was, was awesome and so worth doing. It was a lot of fun. Such a cool mix of modern and Shakespearean mix. Very cool. Okay, so one of the tips that we would recommend for you guys, if you are going to go on a tour or some kind of paid activity, like an excursion, so to speak, really read the reviews because a really great tour guide can go a long way on having a wonderful experience. In all of these instances, we had excellent tour guides. We had excellent people who were walking us through these experiences and really pulling us in. So we highly recommend that you read the reviews before you go do a paid activity and make sure that you get a good guide. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so those were the paid activities and some of them we paid dearly for. (laughs) (laughs) And so you can't always do that. And so we wanted to also talk about our top five free activities. So these are things that we didn't have to come out of pocket for and a lot of them were pretty awesome. Yeah. Number five of our free activities was uh, a walking tour in Bruges. Uh, Bruges is in Belgium. It's this amazing city. If you haven't been there, look it up. Go watch our video on it. Listen to our episode on it. Loved Bruges. Like you felt like Bruges was one of your favorite places before because you'd been there with your sister uh, back in college. And so that's the whole reason that I knew about Bruges and really the whole reason that we went and we went and I thought it was amazing. I loved it. Um, We went on a walking tour and it was a free walking tour. And so how free walking tours work is you are free to pay what you thought the tour was worth. So you are expected to tip at the end, but there's no initial charge. We went through uh, Adventures, I think it was, Walking Adventures. And um, our guide's name was Stephanie. She did an amazing job, told us so much history, so much cool stuff about Bruges and why the buildings are built the way they are, why the city is the way it is, how it was preserved, and just some incredible stories uh, that she shared with us along the way. Loved that tour. Stephanie did such an awesome job. That was really great. Yeah. And and one tip that we do have is that free tours can be excellent tours. So yes. really think about just taking a free tour because they have to work for their tips. And it feels like to us, it feels like they try a lot harder than the people who might be paid by the hour and don't actually have to perform. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you can a lot of times find reviews on different uh, different guides. Um, kind of like we said earlier, the guide can kind of make or break an experience and definitely the case with a walking tour. So just look into it a little bit and maybe pick more based on the guide and the good reviews, uh, than maybe other things, but, uh, don't be afraid to take a free walking tour. 
Number four on our list is in Italy, along the Amalfi Coast, there are some incredibly hidden, well-preserved um, old baths, and it's an old area called Regina Bagnini, and it's the baths of an old queen, am I right? Yeah. An old queen used to love to go swim there, and it's a little cove that is completely hidden, and... Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people do know about it, so it's not exactly <laughs> private anymore, but it is incredible. And we stayed in Sorrento, and it's just outside of Sorrento along the Italian coast. And we took a walk, and we thought it was going to be more like a hike. It was really just kind of walking on some sidewalks and then walking on the side of the road, trying not to get hit by the buses. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little bit of an adventure. But then you end up getting to the actual ocean side where you can enjoy the water and kind of walk down these little stairs and you kind of just come upon this cove and you look down and there are people diving into the water. Oh my gosh, it is so beautiful and such a unique experience. And definitely that would be, and that's definitely why it made it to our top five list. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And number three on our top five free activities was hiking to San Sebastian Castle on the coast uh, in San Sebastian, Spain. So San Sebastian is in the northern part of Spain on the coast. It's basically right between France and Spain. And it used to be its own country. It was called Basque. And they maintained a lot of that heritage. And in the city of San Sebastian, there are really two sort of beaches and one is like open to the Atlantic, has waves and there are surfers and a lot of activity. And one is more in this cove and it's very calm. There's not very many waves. It's mostly sunbathers and people just wanting to take a nice leisurely swim. And in between those two is sort of the city of San Sebastian, the old part of the city. And above that on this hill, is the castle of San Sebastian. And there's a part of it that is a museum that you have to pay and go into, but that's actually a really small part. Most of it is free for you to just walk around. So you hike up and you get to walk through the ruins of this old castle and out on the ramparts and up on the walls. And it's this amazing view of one direction is out to the sea and another direction is back into the city. You see both of the beaches from up there. You can look down into like this crystal clear blue water. It's so breathtaking every direction that you look and everywhere that you walk, you walk a little bit further and there's another lookout with another amazing view and another vantage point that you haven't seen yet. It was such a cool thing. It is only open certain times of the day. So I think it opens at like 10 o'clock and then closes again at like six, but it is just this amazing, beautiful walk up through these trees into this castle, around this castle, and then you can actually go back down the other side. Um, so you're you're never retracing your steps. It was just really cool, amazing views, and just an amazing way to take in another aspect of this really cool place that we had never been, hadn't really heard much about, but loved San Sebastian and the castle there just was the cherry on top. 
Absolutely. Man, San Sebastian was one of my favorite places. And mm. the food was incredible. So yeah. we might be talking about a free activity there, but there was so much good stuff. And it was very affordable there. Everything yes. was affordable. Yeah, it was an amazing place to go. If, if you're headed over there and you are at all going to be close, do yourself a favor and spend some time in San Sebastian. Number two on the list is hiking the Cinque Terre. I love, love, love this, and I always wanted to do it. My sister and I, 15 years ago, happened to be in Italy and got to see um, one or two of the cities along the Cinque Terre. But um, in this instance, Jamin and I actually got to hike all five of the cities, and that's exactly what um, that means. Cinque Terre means five cities, five lands, five terrains. And um, so we got to do that. We went from the city that we were staying in on the far north side and hiked down to the fifth one and ended up taking a train back, which was perfect. And it was very intense. I think it ended up being ugh, 11 miles of hiking. Yeah. <laughs> and it was intense hiking hiking like yeah. it's like steep uh -huh. yes it was really hot um it took us an entire day and we started pretty early it, it is part of a national park so that's great to know um it's generally free there is one leg of it if you're going to do the entire hike there is one leg of it that you'll have to stop and pay and and actually kind of um it's a national park so you you actually do have to pay for one piece of it but it's very very affordable and basically free so um <laughs> had to add it to the list yeah that that was a really really special hike so glad that we did that and number one on our free activities was hiking the Cotswolds so another hike um this was in the Cotswolds so the Cotswolds is a region of uh, Great Britain. So in England, like think of the English countryside, and it was actually one of the wealthiest places in the world due to the wool production. And so these cities are built with these incredible homes for their time, and they're just these little villages. There's so much to the Cotswolds, and we only hiked part of it. And in England, they have this really cool thing where footpaths are allowed and so across private land they leave these footpaths for people to walk and and that's part of the deal is like you can walk across these people's pastures and lands and fields as long as you stay on the trail and are respectful of their property and make sure that all the gates are getting closed behind you and things like that but you can just proceed along this trail and hike from little village to little village and the countryside there is just beautiful. You're walking past horses and little sheep and lambs and things like that and uh, little fields and you, you run into farmers and, and they tell you that they're so happy to see you and hope that you have an amazing day. And then you wind up in these little villages and you might have a pint in a pub or something like that. And it's just this amazing relaxing thing to do and we hiked from Stowe on the Wold to Upper and Lower Slaughter and then on to Borton on the Water. It was so special and one of my favorite days from our entire trip was that day. If I could repeat that day over and over and over again, I absolutely would. Uh, just love every bit of the English countryside and getting to see it on foot like that and really take it in and take your time and 
nowhere to go and all day to get there. It was just so much fun. It's very peaceful. One of the most peaceful things that we probably did during gap year. And there were no bears. So I was completely, (laughs) I felt so safe. And when we got to the U.S. and we did hiking, and even some places in Europe, you know, when you're really in mountains, like it can, I got a little scared of bears sometimes. But in in uh, the Cotswolds specifically, it just felt incredibly safe and peaceful. Yeah. It was really special. Yeah, it was really cool. We did meet a couple of people that were afraid of the cows. And so we walked right. with we walked with them to help them pass the scary cows. But uh, other than that, no threats along the way. <laughs> so what were some honorable mentions? Well, for me, I would mention the hike that we did in Switzerland. Um, it was in Interlaken, just right there outside the city. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was literally right there by the train station. And it was a hike called Harder Kulm, K-U-L-M. And it was so worth it. Because it was pretty hard. It was one of the, I think for you, you decided it was the hardest hike you went on during gap year. Yeah. yeah, It was pretty bad. It was pretty hard. Um, And I thought Cinque Terre was pretty hard too. So we've, you know, I mean, we've got some hard ones. But Harder Colm was so steep and it was just like, it was a beating getting up there. (laughs) And and we almost didn't finish. And then we saw some kids. A bunch of elementary school students, and we're like, how did they get up here? And coming to find out, there was a much easier path that we did not take. (laughs) But um, all those kids were on their way up, and they were, and we we talked to one of the teachers, and we were like, is it really worth it? And they're like, yes, you're going to want to go to the top. You're almost there. And so we did, and we made it to the top. And oh my goodness, right there on the tip of this mountain is a little place where you can kind of like a little outdoor beer garden where you can have a drink and you can watch the paragliders fly past you and it was um there's also like some uh little platforms where you can go out and really get some incredible pictures just kind of hanging out over these um the city of Interlaken which means two lakes in between two lakes and so you've got one gorgeous lake on one side and one lake that is just incredibly blue and just this bright bright blue and so you get to enjoy all of these incredible views including a view of the top of Europe because Jungfrau was right there and that was the top of Europe right there so um, Jungfrau is a really famous mountain there and everyone talked about it a lot so we kind of got familiar with it but um, (laughs) that was one of my honorable mentions I would say what about you? Uh, for me, uh, when we were in Bath, England, uh, we hiked uh, just like a couple of miles uh, to the Pack Horse Pub. And it's this little pub, and I think it was like built in like the 1600s or something like that. And I think back in like the, the 70s or 80s, it was going to shut down. And the people of the city decided that they didn't want it to shut down. And so they were going to come together to save the town pub and they did and so they they put together all this stuff and uh raised support for it and so it's still there and you can go see it and it's this cool little pub again a beautiful walk through the english countryside and it was really just a great experience we had some appetizers and a couple of pints and on the walk back we realized that if you have two pints you really should 
uh, go to the restroom before you start the hike back <laughs> because the end of the hike back was very hurried. It really um, was. But we we're uh, like two pints is our limit and uh, we need a bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. You have to find some relief. So word to the wise. Exactly. But it was uh, it was another uh, just experience in the English countryside for me that I thought was a really cool story. It was a really fun day and really loved getting to do that. Based on all of these top five activities that you guys have heard us talk about, one common theme is really that we really had to like be able to physically do these things ourselves. Yeah. So we had to get in shape for this. And um, so that would be a tip that we would have for you is be sure to get in shape because it's going to pay off when you're on vacation because all of those things were exhausting and we were kind of at in really good condition, really prepared for it. And we were still super exhausted after a lot of these things. Yeah, I, I definitely think that being in shape made everything so much more enjoyable so much more doable. So that that's a good one. Get uh, get in shape. Next up, we have our top five runs. Yay! So we loved our runs. We did. So fun. Uh, so enjoyable. It was one of the things that that we wanted to do everywhere that we stayed. A couple of nights, we wanted to make sure that we run, and we did almost everywhere except for a few places. We went for a hike. So for our top five runs, number five, Edinburgh. We started out from our Airbnb, which was right at the base of the castle ran around the castle, through the city, uh, down the Royal Mile, got to see so much of the city on foot, and we would run early, so we would have the cities kind of to ourselves. You see the castle from everywhere, and you get to run through all these beautiful parks. The weather was perfect for running. Really thought that that was a great, great run. Yeah, number four on our list of fabulous runs was San Sebastian. And we don't really have to tell you more because you already heard us talk about it. It was incredible. It was so fun to run past two different beaches. And um, we didn't run all the way up that hill with the castle because it was locked because it was pretty early in the morning. It didn't matter. The views were just incredible. And I specifically remember going to one of the beaches where there were some rocks that had some artwork that had been kind of um, somehow they had put it, attached it to these rocks. And so all these sculptures were coming up out of the rocks in the ocean and the ocean waves were like coming up and slamming up against the rocks. And it was just a really cool scene. And looking back, we saw a lot of people that gathered there to like... Like also look at these sculptures and we got to be there first thing in the morning and it was beautiful and oh, one of my favorite places. Yeah, yeah. Number three on our list of top runs was in Rome. So this trip to Rome, we knew we weren't going to visit the Vatican. We, we had been there before and taken an extensive tour that which we really loved. You can go back to our very first season and hear about that. But we weren't going to get to go there this time and take any tours. So we thought, let's go as part of our run. So we ran through the Trastevere neighborhood where we were staying. And we actually ran to Vatican City. We ran across the bridge to San Angelo and then through Vatican City around St. Peter's uh, Cathedral and got to see all of that and then run back and seeing Rome from the streets um, early in the morning when there's not anybody around was really special, really fun. Loved, loved that run. And number two on our list of runs was Paris. Mm, That was a beating for me. I remember thinking, oh, this is like a really long run. And it it was, um, but it was 
pretty cool. We ended up getting to see um, uh, Pont Neuf like early in the morning and nobody was there. We got to see the Louvre early in the morning. Nobody was there. Yeah. yeah. So crazy to have it to yourself and be able to take photos and just appreciate it. Um, man, where else did we go? Uh, Arc de Triumph. Yep. Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. Like we ran oh past gosh. all those places on that run. All of that in one run on one morning. It was incredible. So, so powerful. Loved that one. And our top run for the whole time that we were in Europe took place in Valencia, Spain. Um, Valencia is on the southern coast of Spain. So it is west of Barcelona. An incredible city. So, so cool. And they actually have what used to be a river as now they diverted the river in another direction. And so the old riverbed they have made into a park and it's this super long park that kind of winds through the city where the river used to be. And you're able to run down there. They have these amazing running paths. So once we got to the park, we didn't have to cross any streets or deal with any traffic or anything like that. We were able to run through this park. It was so cool. We ran to the city center, where we got to run through some gardens and another city park. And then we ran past several museums and art installations that they have there in Valencia. It was a really cool run. Just so many things, thing after thing, after thing, after thing. If you want to see it for yourself, you can go to our YouTube channel and check out our Valencia episode. Um, We were able to capture a lot of it and share it there so you can kind of see what we're talking about. But Valencia was an incredible run. Really special. Yeah, so cool. So honorable mentions for runs. What do you got? Um, Well, for me, I have to call out Athens. Oh, my goodness. Athens is such a fun city. It is ancient and modern and all the things in between. And the whole time you're in Athens, you just look up at the Acropolis and it's up there on this hill and you're just like, this is so crazy. And it's kind of like the feature of the city and nothing is really higher than it. And we ran up to it, which was crazy. And uh, we also discovered this incredible rock that really has this amazing view and then we started looking into it more and we're like oh my goodness that's mars hill like we were we were in mars like on mars hill taking photos and um and that for those of you who might be bible buffs um i didn't know but jamin knew more about this um that apostle paul preached from from mars hills so very cool yeah that that was a lot of fun um, I remember running in Bruges was a lot of fun. We ran past a lot of the windmills that are there. Um, so cool. Uh, Lyon was a good run. We ran past some Roman ruins yep. in Lyon and through the old part of the city. I think <laughs> I think my watch told me at the end of the Lyon run that we had done like 79 flights of stairs. That's why you like that run. It now was I get it. Pretty exhausting. But, You're so uh, proud of that one. That's what it is. <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun. It's just a cool mixture of everything, which is really what the city of Lyon is. Um, it's such a cool mixture of Southern Europe and Northern Europe, and it all kind of like 
comes together right there and you get to see it a lot there yeah well and i love strasburg running through well actually i have to say i hated the run but we did come across because it rained on us the whole time and we ended up going out into like the suburbs and it was like not cool um so we it was not a scenic pretty run but at the very end we started seeing storks and we're like, what is that massive nest up there? And there's a massive bird up there. What is that? And we kept looking around. But then we saw statues of storks and all this kind of like um, uh, stork symbolism everywhere and actual storks. And come to find out, we had actually stumbled upon a stork park. Totally crazy. You can't make this stuff up. It was crazy. <laughs> and um, and then come to find out storks are very symbolic there. They love storks there. And so they actually build their homes in a way that allows the storks to make build their very, very heavy nest on top of the homes there. So um, they definitely foster and welcome them. And I should say that Strasbourg is a part of France. So um, it's right there on the, the France-German border. So Yeah. Yeah. What a cool city. And just so you know, uh, you can go to greatruns.com and find a lot of really good runs. A lot of the runs that we went, uh, we found there. So they've got good recommendations for taking little run tours around cities. An amazing way to see a city, especially if you're willing to get up early and run. Um, do it. it. It is so cool to see a city from the streets with nobody around could not recommend more going for a run. The great part about that, too, is that it doesn't have to be a run. You can go on a walk. That's Get true. Get up yeah. in the morning and go for a walk. Like, it's it's really something that anybody can enjoy. For sure. Okay. Top five things that we wish we'd done and didn't do. We had some misses. Okay. So these are the things that, like, if you're really listening, like, this is stuff we think. We don't know for sure, but we think it could be really cool. And if we were to go back, we would do this. So, Jamin, what do you got for number five for us? Well, number five for me, because we couldn't agree on everything, so we had to split number five in this one, was the Academia Gallery uh, in Florence. So in Florence, Italy, the Academia Gallery is there, and that is where the Statue of David is. And we tried to get in. We couldn't get tickets. Um, At the time, they were limiting the number of people uh, due to COVID, so there were still some restrictions in place. We couldn't get tickets to get in, and I really really wish that we had done that so my number five was a little different (laughs) it's like exactly the opposite of jamin's my number five was beer rafting in munich germany and i didn't even know this existed until we got back and i was like we watched some video i think on it and i was like what i didn't even know that was a thing people are rafting down a river and they're just drinking a bunch of german beer and like literally on sitting on logs together and it's an actual thing that people do and um they they do it kind of in a way that is old german style because they used to have these old german rafts and and so the guys are literally have these huge oars and with these huge logs on these huge rafts and so anyway once i saw that i was like that's totally so german munich it's such a thing to do i would totally do that <laughs> i feel like anything if there's something floating in water and and a beer is involved i feel like you're pretty in on definitely definitely because water usually means sunshine in a lot of cases too (laughs) so i like that 
Okay, number four. This is something that we both thought would be really cool to do in Athens. Now, you heard how much we loved Athens. Very, very cool city. One of the things that we didn't get to do, but we did get to go by there, but we didn't really get to engage in the way that we wanted to, is the Panathenaic Stadium in Athens. Now, this is where the original <laughs> marathon, it, where the original marathon really started from the Olympics. So, the first person to uh, run the 26.2 miles... Um, ran from the city of Marathon to Athens to tell of a military victory. And he so he was a messenger and he ran, he had run 50 miles the day before. Oh, that's right. To deliver a message. And then that day he ran the 26.2 miles from Marathon, Greece to Athens, Greece and delivered the news that they, uh, that they had been victorious and then he dropped dead. And so now uh, people endeavor to run that uh, that length, I guess, to prove to him that he was not so hot because he died afterward. I guess so. <laughs> but that stadium is really cool because they do allow people to run laps there in the stadium. Yeah. And so you have to do it during a certain window of the day. And uh, we had a lot to fit in in uh, one full day in Athens. So we didn't get to do that. We would totally do it if we were to return. Yeah, I really, really wanted to do that. It just didn't work. We had that walking tour, and I wanted to do it as part of our run in Athens, like to run there and then go in and run it. But like you said, it's only open a certain period of time, and so you do have to get tickets for it. So if it's something you want to do, um, just be prepared to get a ticket and uh, figure out what time of day it goes so that you can have your tinnies on when it's time to do a lap. Number three on our list of the things that we wish we had done in Europe is a catamaran cruise in Santorini. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Santorini is an island in Greece that you've probably heard of because it's gorgeous. And everybody wants to go there. And everybody does go there. So you should know it's very busy. But it is also worth it. One thing we were not prepared for was the natural beauty of the earth there. So I expected like, oh, it's so pretty because of the white city and the blue domes. And oh, isn't that lovely? It's so much more than that because it is so... the island itself just shoots up out of the water and the islands next to it are so steep and there are cliffs everywhere and you don't really realize in pictures how incredibly far away the ocean is because you're so high but you can't really tell that in photos so much but when you arrive there in person and see the real depths of it all it is so dramatic and I can't imagine what it's like to also see all of that from the very bottom of the island on the water like I mean everything would just seem so much more dramatic I feel like so I would definitely definitely do that if we were to return to Santorini. Number two on our list of things that we wish we had done is visit the countryside when we were in Ireland. Uh, When we were in Ireland, we were in uh, Dublin. We took a day trip up to Belfast to Northern Ireland, and we really didn't get outside of the city. Like We did some cool stuff. We went to the Jameson uh, Distillery and did the Bow Street experience. That was really cool and fun, but Ireland was one that we just kind of felt like, man, like 
we thought it would be different. And I think we would have got that more authentic Irish experience had we gone outside the city, like into the countryside. And the more people that we met from Ireland on our travels and talked to were like, yeah, you should have gotten outside. You should have gotten outside Dublin. And so if we could go back, uh, I would still see Dublin a little bit. I'd still do the Jameson tour for sure. But then I would go outside into the country to see some of the smaller villages and some of the Irish cliffs and things like that. So that's one that we wish we had back and we're just going to have to plan another trip. That's right. And for Northern Ireland as well, not just Ireland, but Northern Ireland too. Yeah. Yeah. We, we stuck to the cities in both and wish we hadn't have. Okay. So number one on the list of things that we wish we had done is we wish we'd actually gotten to do the things we planned when we were in Zermatt. (laughs) Zermatt, Switzerland. Okay, so the thing that I really wanted to do was go snow skiing because it's famous for being the place where you can go snow skiing 365 days a year. And to ski in the Swiss Alps is something I've always wanted to do since I was, I think, seventh grade is the first time I recognized that I wanted to do that. And um, so I didn't get to do it. It was raining and I was renting equipment and the guy was like, yeah, you might be able to, but you might not. And I'm not really sure. And and I was like, well, I'm not going to pay all this money. Cause I was gonna, I just to say, to get to the top of a mountain in Switzerland, it's gonna cost you a lot of money. It's expensive. <laughs> because they, you might need a Swiss pass if you're going and you're actually gonna get to use it enough. But it's several hundred dollars. Um, but it could definitely be worth it because I'm telling you, Switzerland is expensive, but also just taking the different um, gondolas and everything that they have for you to get you to the top of these mountains, it's it's pricey. It's an easy fifty bucks easy every time you hop on one so just keep that in mind but um i ended up not getting to snow ski and i really wish that uh, that's something i get to do maybe in the future yeah and another thing that we had hoped to do while we're there is the five lakes hike so there are five lakes um sort of surrounding the matterhorn and you have to take a gondola to get to them and we were off by like i think it was like a week or two before they would like open up the trails yeah. to be able to go. And I feel like in through a lot of Austria and Switzerland, we were like a week or two early. And so we didn't realize that, you know, I just didn't even think to check as late in the year as we were there. I thought for sure it'd be no problem. But when we got there, we found out, nope, the, uh, the trails aren't going to be open. I guess they're still snow packed. And so trails aren't going to be open for a couple of weeks. So you can't go. So Zermatt was a beautiful place, a really cool city. No, like all electric vehicles, no, no cars. And so it was very quiet and peaceful, but, um, there were just things that we planned to do over there that weather and everything else just didn't work out didn't work out but it was it was really cool to see the Matterhorn right there which you guys might not know what the Matterhorn is it is a mountain that looks an awful lot like what you saw in uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas that Dr. <laughs> Seuss yeah. book mm-hmm. there is literally um, a little bit of a curve to the peak of it which is really crazy to see in person and um, it does make sense though when you think about the fact that I wanted to go snow skiing there'd be a lot, there'd be snow up there. And yeah. so, you know, kind of looking back, it's like, oh yeah, of course, like it was too snowy. But at some point in the year, it's not snowy. It's not that snowy because they let people hike. 
Right. We just didn't hit the, we were kind of on that shoulder season. Yeah. Yeah. We were just a little bit early. So some of the tips that we have for you guys on, you know, just this list and overall with all of these things is um, to be rich. If you can, (laughs) it really helps. (laughs) You can just have a ton of money, then you'll get to do all the things we didn't get to do and do all the things that we did even better. (laughs) So that's the number one tip. But um, but we do want to say that. you know, things do cost money, but mm-hmm. they're oftentimes they're they're worth it. They're at a price for a reason. Um, so we would say, don't be afraid to spend the money that to do the things that you really want to do, to make the memories you really want to make. Um, and you can even just do things like trading in your usual morning coffee or your your you know special drink that you get every morning and go ahead and trade that in for a pastry in Paris or an espresso in Italy and all those different things like you can have all these fun experiences just by sacrificing something small um so yeah I think that was really helpful for us as we were saving to go because there would be times it'd be like ah let's not cook let's just go out to eat and we would ask each other well would you rather have a meal here that you're going to forget about or would you rather have a meal in Italy that you're going to remember forever? And when you kind of reframe it like that, it makes it an easy choice. So a a good way to, to help you save. Yeah, exactly. We also, we've said this a million times lately, but you're going to hear us say it again. Do your research. You can learn so much online. And I mean, get into the specifics because those are the things that ended up tripping us up at the last minute is like all the level of detail that we needed. Um, But if you can have a little foresight and go ahead and like really dig into things in advance, which Jamin is excellent at doing. And so that really made the trip amazing for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if you can do that, it really does help. And just be open minded, be willing to experience new things and um, Also, one of the things that we've talked about is identifying tourist traps. Yeah. Because there are a lot of them out there. Um, But also, you kind of have to balance that out with the idea that, like, there are things that are really popular for a reason. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, really, and I think it goes back to doing your research, but there's some stuff that people are like, oh, that's so touristy. You know, like there's a ton of stuff in London and Paris and in Rome that people are like, well, that's just super touristy. Well, some of it's touristy for a reason because it's really awesome Mm -hmm. and everyone wants to do it because it's really cool. Some of the stuff is just a tourist trap that you don't want to waste your time with, but there is some stuff that that's legit. It's worth it. Just do your research, figure out what you really want to see, be open-minded and see like, what are the things there? What are the things to do? What are the things to see? And then go experience them. Well said, Mr. Houghton. You can go find out so much more about all of these things just by watching the different episodes that we have out on YouTube, uh, listening to the different episodes on all of these places. If you've got a minute, go ahead and get out your phone and look up Travel FOMO Podcast on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, where else are we? YouTube, TikTok, TikTok, TikTok is so fun. Look <laughs> us up on TikTok. We love it. Go find us, connect with us. Then we can follow you. We can follow your adventures, which we love to see. And um, and then you can give us tips because we are totally learning all about the world and we want to learn from you too. 
Absolutely. And one way that you can share with us and with everyone else in the Travel FOMO family is by sending us your own travel story. So you can go to travelfomopodcast at gmail.com and send us an email. You can type up your story. We'll read it here on the podcast and share it with everyone. Or if you would like to share it in your own voice, feel free to pull out your phone, record a voice memo, and just attach that to an email. We'll take both of those as your permission to share it here with everyone else. So if you have some amazing tips, some stuff that you really loved, maybe your top five list from your travels, please drop it to us. We'll be happy to share it with everyone else and everyone else gets to benefit from what you experienced and what you learned. So drop us a line, send us that email at travelfomopodcast at gmail.com. That's right, guys. We hope that you get an opportunity to go visit some of these places that we were talking about. And we cannot wait to hear from you. Life is short. Wonder well.